Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How often have you seen strange, even astounding coincidences in your life? Is there some meaning, purpose, or power behind them? Are they coincidences at all? Hey there, and welcome to the 548th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those lofty questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening we have a very distinguished guest with us on a subject that concerns everyone but is seldom covered. And uh, we welcome your calls this evening. Uh, Of course, the numbers are 401-766-1240. That's locally or anywhere from U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. Our guest this evening is one of the greatest names in the paranormal, and this is his second appearance on the show. UFO and paranormal pioneer, author and publisher and producer, Timothy Green Beckley, a.k.a. Mr. UFO, is probably the longest standing and most famous of all UFO investigators. He says that the paranormal has been part of his life since childhood. He reports having his first out-of-the-body experience at age six and saw his first three UFOs at the age of ten. In the early 1970s, he founded the UFO Investigators League and over the years has written over 30 books on everything from rock music to the secret majestic 12 UFO papers. Interlight, Global Communications, Conspiracy Journal, Abelard, and all other, uh, and other names are imprints of Tim's publishing company. He keeps the rarest and most unique books on the subjects of conspiracies, UFOs, aliens, giants, Bigfoot, etc. in print and available for all researchers. His works are the source material for a number of History Channel shows on UFOs, aliens, men in black, ancient aliens, and more. He's the author of Mystery of the Men in Black, the UFO Silencers, with an intro by the late, great John Keel. And and as I understand it, beginning today and lasting through Friday, we understand uh, that his book, UFOs, Wicked This Way Comes, The Dark Side of the Ultra-Terrestrials, is available free online, and we'll ask Tim about that. Hopefully I got it right. His websites include www.hiddenmysteries.com, teslasecretlab.com, and conspiracyjournal.com, which, when I last looked, I was surprised to see had a quote from me in the homepage. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so Tim Beckley, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, you know, uh, this is the second time on your show, but the third time on your station. Oh, because really? uh, I was, I was uh, one of the first shows that I ever did. Uh, where I actually had to travel out of town. In those days, uh, uh, there was no Internet. Uh, in, in fact, we were still using 20-cent postage stamps. Uh, Joe Ferrier, of course, who was on the station oh, there for many, uh, many yeah. years, was, yeah. was a friend of mine, and he had me up um, in the uh, studio. And In fact, I was just thinking the other night, uh, there was a newspaper called Midnight, which is now the Globe, you know, sh- uh, sold at the uh, uh, checkout counter in the supermarket. And there was a photo in, of me and Joe besides the microphone. And I was so young, I had a crew-cut black horn rim glasses, <laughs> and I still had acne on my face. Oh, my so ears and whiskers. I don't know how old I was, but it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, my late uh, teens or, or even before that, perhaps. So uh, I'm an old champion of wound, and uh, I'm glad to be on. And, yes, I am giving away a free book. Aren't I crazy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. Well, tell, tell us about it's it's wonderful to have you back. Oh, yeah. Joe well, is still. You. It's so good. To, it's so good to be back with you guys. Uh, you you have one of the top rated uh, shows on the uh, paranormal, and one of the few people in the well, I call it business, but it's hard to uh, call any of this what we do a business. 
uh, one of the most, uh, uh, what's the word, sensible minds and sensible approaches to all this weirdness. Well, thank you very much, Tim. That's oh, yeah. we do try, we do try to uh, to to reach yeah. that standard. But you, you, uh, you try to le- to levitate less than uh, uh, two feet above the ground. If we yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three feet if we can do it. We did. Well, I know. Uh, although I know Ben is doing more than that when your back is turned, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> when you least expect it. Yes, but unfortunately he doesn't remember, so not, neither of us knows about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah only that's the, only how the he, director knows for sure. That, that's how he reached the cookie jar when he was a kid. <laughs> oh, that always oh, that what it was. I yeah, it was I didn't want to didn't want to tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, statute of limitations is up. Yeah, but uh, Joe Ferrier is still very much loved and very much missed around Northern Rhode yeah. Island here, and it's, mm. I, I remember you having said that last time you were on. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, I'm doing a column for a, uh, uh, a new uh, website. It's called UFO Press, and what I do. Uh, is I'm reviewing the various websites and, and providing links for people. So as they read along the column, they can click on the link or, or cut and paste or whatever, copy and paste, and go right to the, uh, the, the spot. So I have that linked up with uh, show number, I believe it's uh, 2009 show 60 or 20. There's two numbers there. So people can just uh, and hear that very important show that you did, which is, uh, the only place that they can hear uh, Joe's voice, as far as I know, is still left on the internet anywhere. Yeah, that's it. Mm. That's it. And that has more hits than than uh, most of the shows for that year. Yes, uh, Mysteries Absolutely. of the Valley, I think it is, or something. Mysteries like of that. Blackstone Valley, or Blackstone Valley Mysteries. I, 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 I was yeah. listening to that last night as I uh, toss and turn in my loft bed here. Oh, uh, oh. So, <laughs> there you go. It's a, he's got a couple of great stories there. But anyway, on with the the evening. Okay, Great. very good. Ben's going to uh, start us off. Indeed. So, Tim, the Renaissance man that you are, we can talk about anything with you, as this first, like, six minutes has uh, indicated. Uh-huh. Uh, but <laughs> but this, this evening... Are, a, a lot of things are nothing at all. That's right. I'm, I'm right here with you. Uh, okay. Indeed. Uh-huh. So we're going um, to concentrate mostly, mostly on uh, uh, synchronicities. So first, what's yeah. the difference between a synchronicity and a coincidence? Or is there a difference? Yeah, you know, if if there is, I don't I don't know what it is. Synchronicities, you know, have played a large part in 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 my life lately. It's getting really totally bizarre, and I've become convinced that synchronicities are the next EVPs and maybe some type of code, just like you would find in a a crop circle, and I. There's more. It's more than just a random chance. I mean, these bizarre things, and I'll explain what some of them are as we uh, uh, go along. I think somewhere out there, someone or something is uh, facilitating the show. Now, I call them the management, but um, uh, some people might call them God or a creative uh, uh, force. Um, Philip K. Dick, the famous science fiction uh, writer. One of my favorite him, writers. Yeah, yeah. There's a, he had a number of incidences that were uh, synchronicities or uh, coincidences uh, that were very uh, bizarre, including this, uh, the appearance of a, uh, a woman at the door, and when he opened the door, he got shot with some sort of uh, pink ray enveloped him, and he started having all these bizarre things uh, happening in life. And, you know, Charles Fort, the famous uh, writer who collected... Um, all sorts of uh, bizarre scientific uh, tidbits, like the fall of 
uh, frogs and fish and animal matter from the sky and mysterious uh, disappearances. Uh, he said that the life on Earth was kind of like a cosmic uh, chess game and that we were but pawns for something uh, you know else in the, in the uh, universe. And that's what I've come to, to believe, that there is a, uh, something out there that is either setting us in a direction or has a message for us that we have to uh, decode or at least is trying to convince us of their uh, existence. You know, guys, it's like here uh, uh, SETI uh, tries to send out uh, and receive radio signals from the stars. Suppose they don't listen to your show out there. I mean, or they don't listen to or they don't listen to anybody's, uh, you know, show. We're thinking that we're, they're sitting there with, uh, you know, earphones uh, uh, bouncing around in in some uh, uh, bubble, uh, listening to top, you know, to top uh, forty, and, and perhaps they don't enjoy that. Perhaps they have another way of of communicating, and I think that other way is through synchronicities. Now, it could be that they're not from out there. I'm uh, more inclined to believe that uh, a lot of what's going on is not a celestial phenomena, but is a terrestrial phenomena. And, and so synchronicities just keep playing a, a big, uh, you know, a, a portion of my life. Now, let me tell you a real, this is a, a really strange, at least to me, thing that happened recently. On Memorial Day, um, I was with uh, my uh, associate, Carol, uh, Rodriguez, who has uh, been my assistant, uh, and she's a great artist. She's been with me for many, many uh, years. And it was such a nice day, and I, I don't get out. I've had a, a few uh, you know, health problems. And so we decided, well, I'm in the middle of uh, Manhattan here, just not too far from the uh, Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. So she said, well, why don't we go over to this very nice park that just uh, uh, opened on the East River. It's uh, 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 Hudson uh, Park. And um, it's right on the river, and they've—it's just they've just done a lot of construction on it, and you know, the, a lot of tourists are going there, and they've got restaurants and so forth. And I said yes, but I don't have a car, and it's a little bit too far to to walk. She said, "Oh, we'll just take the Crosstown bus." Well, uh, in Manhattan, it costs uh, two fifty to get on the bus. Really? Uh, in oh. uh, two fifty, yes. <laughs> I've been bus in uh, Manhattan in about forty years. <laughs> well, neither have I, actually. Uh, very, very few times. Um, mm. I, I'm a big cab man, but uh, it, it would have been a little expensive to go from once, uh, you know, to where I am to all the way over to like 11th or 12th Avenue, where the park is. So she said, "Oh, you know, if you show your uh, credentials uh, that, that you're a senior citizen, which I am at the moment, uh, you get on for half price. So that's a buck and a quarter." And I said, "Oh, geez, well, that's that, that's okay." So we got to the bus stop, and I'm, uh, you have to show ID to the bus driver and throw the uh, change in the little uh, uh, bucket or change collector, whatever they have there. So now I had it in my uh, pocket in a little uh, a cup that I use as a, a purse. You can rattle it and hear the change in there. And so I, I told the, uh, Carol, I said, hold on to the, uh, uh, my ID uh, uh, for me while I fish around for the, uh, the money. So I, I, I have the money in my hand, and she says, oh, you know, one of those coins is a Canadian coin, and the bus driver will get mad and, uh, you know, throw you off and not allow you on the bus if you try to put it in the, uh, the change collector. And also it won't fit, I guess, because it goes by weight or something. So I said, well, hold on to all of this while I, uh, while I find another quarter. So finally I got my uh, five quarters together, and I threw it in a little 
change thing there, and it goes clink, 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 and you sit down. Uh, oh, so before before I got on the bus, I uh, I didn't know what to do with the Canadian coin, right? I didn't want to throw it out. I mean, uh, that seems like a waste of uh, money, even though I didn't want to put it back in with the coins because I'd end up doing the same thing again. So I took that Canadian silver piece, and I put it on the little bench at the bus stop where... Uh, you would sit until the bus comes, right? All right. I said, maybe there'll be a tourist from Canada, and they'll see it, pick it up, and take it back to Toronto or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what I did. Got on the bus, we sat down, and it took maybe seven or eight minutes to get over to uh, our uh, destination. Uh, I get off the bus, and as I get off the bus, I see something shining on the sidewalk. Uh, I picked it up. It was an American quarter. It would have been on the exact spot where the uh, bus bench would have been uh, if there had been a bench there. But since there was no bench, it was on the ground. So I left a Canadian quarter before I got on the bus, and there was my quarter uh, back in American change on the, uh, <laughs> uh, on, on the ground. So I figured with the rate of exchange, I might have come out about a penny and a half. Maybe uh, about that, yeah. Ahead on that, yeah. It's just like. Yeah, just like the bikers do at night, you know, they exchange money or something like that. So now, come on, that that can't, you know, that's that's not a coincidence. I mean, you you don't leave a quarter uh, uh, when you get on the bus and 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 find one when you get off the bus, unless somebody's playing a little trick uh, with you, you know, up there. And and something like that, that's kind of like totally out of the uh, the realm of coincidence. And as a synchronicity happens, it seems almost on a. Uh, a regular uh, basis. Well, I can, speaking of Canada, Tim, I can tell you a, an amazing coincidence. Lately, my life has been full of coincidences, too. And when I say lately, I mean really the past well, okay, five well, to ten one years. Thing, one thing, I, I've started to work on, a, on an article putting all this together. I, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and write a book uh, on it. I, I, you mentioned I've done 30 books. Actually, since I'm a publisher, I've done about 200 books. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm about washed out as far as, <laughs> as that uh, goes. In fact, I always tell people, if you want to know what we've published, just go to uh, uh, Amazon and uh, type in Timothy G. Beckley and all our authors from T. Lomson Rampa to Commander X to Tim Schwartz to Sean Castile will pop up and, uh, and amaze you with the diversity. But go ahead with your story, sir. Okay. Well, I'm big into family history, as Ben will tell you. I bored him for hours with the stories of the ancestors. But it's not, it's not boring. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's about. true. There's some, quite a few characters in our line, anyway. Yeah. So, um, some, well, several months ago now, I had um, sent in my dues for an organization uh, that has 300,000 members in Canada. It's Canadian-based. Yeah. Uh, it's a veterans organization. And so I, I uh, sent that in. And then uh, two days later... I happened to be looking for a particular um, ancestor online, and there was one lonely posting from a fellow uh, who had originally been from Nova Scotia, where my grandmother was from. And he had, he had put a posting on, uh, about this fellow in uh, 2010. So here it is, 2014, and I'm finally answering. And he was amazed. He came back. He, he turns out to be a uh, uh, relatively close cousin, pardon the pun, relatively close cousin of mine, and he uh, is the registrar, or works in the registrar's office, of the organization I had just sent my dues in, in for, in Ottawa, right? And what, what is the chance of that having happened? I mean, you, could, you couldn't have planned that. And so th they came down to Woonsocket here uh, on the way back from Nova Scotia. He lives in Ottawa, but they're from Nova Scotia. And we had a, yes, yes. just a lovely, lovely visit, wonderful people, and we're, we're great friends now. And uh, 
all because <laughs> of that. Now, now, one might say, well, the Internet is simply an instrument that hadn't existed before, and there's all sorts of information flow, and people and things you would never have known about before are uh, readily accessible. So maybe that's an explanation. But when it comes to these synchronicities and or coincidences, Tim, what do you th do you think there really is some kind of, as you say, code behind this, and w what's behind that? Yeah, well, I, you know, when you say code, see, I'm not, I'm not sure, like you say, what, what are they, what are they trying to tell us? Maybe they, can't, maybe they can't tell us uh, anything. You know, again, we're waiting for that radio signal, and it, it's almost, it's, it's almost like the electronic voice phenomena. You get, let's face it, a, a, uh, you get some messages, but it's a lot of gibberish usually, or, or, or sometimes, right? I mean, it, it doesn't have anything really to do necessarily with the house that you're, uh, you're investigating, if it's got a ghost in it. Uh, it, it. It just picks up random messages to tell you. So it, it's like somebody saying, hey, I can't come down and shake your hand, or I can't talk to you on the telephone, but I can do something that will indicate that you know that this is that that I'm real or we're real or or whatever it is now uh, John C Lilly who uh, wrote a uh, he claimed that he well he did he he spoke with dolphins he learned how, how to uh, communicate uh, with them uh, he said he had so many coincidences in his uh, life he said that he felt that there was some sort of um, coincidence review board uh, I mean, he see, saw it as an actual, like some sort of interdimensional, uh, you know, s structure or, or existence uh, of, of, in, in some other, uh, you know, uh, realm. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still search searching for the answers here. Now, one of the things that happens all, all, all the time, which really pushes the, uh, the envelope, is these synchronicities where I run into people that I shouldn't run into thousands away, uh, thousands of miles away from home. Now, mm -hmm. in fact, this this case here, uh, uh, this incident here that I'm going to relate, was the first one, the first synchronicity that I uh, that I noticed because it blew my mind. Now, I was speaking in uh, San Francisco where I had never been before. This is many many years ago. I was giving a lecture on UFOs for the uh, National UFO Congress of Scientific Ufology, uh, which was run by Jim Mosley, who just passed away. But the organizer that year was uh, a young fellow by the uh, name of Dale Reddick. Now, we had all started out as a teenage ufologist, and now we're a bunch of old men. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, so I, I was in San Francisco, and the um, I gave this talk. We had a nice attendance, and people were up in the balcony, and and all of that, and I, I guess I gave a nice uh, show there. And uh, uh, the next day, uh, it was you know time for me to go back uh, to uh, catch a plane to head back to uh, Newark Airport. But we had some time to kill before going to the airport, so uh, there were about I guess oh maybe four or five of us, uh, the promoter and his wife and a few other um, uh, people, I guess who was kind of the inner circle of the group. And we all decided to go out and have brunch. It was a Sunday, uh, uh, you know, around noon. Now, I was not familiar with San Francisco. I had not been there before. And the, the people I was with, we picked a place at random. It wasn't anywhere uh, that uh, they had been either. So we're sitting down and having a Bloody Mary, because what else do you have on a Sunday at, at brunch? And I happened to just, you know, we're just chatting, idle conversation. And I, I said to the promoter and the other people, I said, you know, Geez, it's a shame. I know a few people here in San Francisco, but I never thought 
to uh, call them, and I was coming into town. In particular, there was a fellow by the name of Alan Vaughn who had moved from New York to uh, San Francisco to take a job as editor of a magazine called Psychic. That's when there were newsstands and publications and all those wonderful things that you could actually pick up a glossy publication. Mm. Uh, and uh, and uh, he was a good friend of mine. Uh, I had one of the first metaphysical centers uh, in New York in the late 60s and early 70s. And he um, had quite a reputation as being a very good psychic and had been written up in a, quite a number of uh, newspapers and things like that. There were no ghost hunters, really, uh, in those days, except maybe Hans Holzer. Yes. Uh, he was the only yeah. recognizable uh, name. And uh, I said, geez, you know, it's a shame that I didn't call uh, Alan, because uh, in addition to him being a, uh, uh, a good friend, he, he was uh, very entertaining. I mean, he had a good sense of humor. He was uh, somebody you can like for just uh, more than just being a parent, normal uh, researcher. Uh, lo and behold, five minutes later, the front door to this restaurant bar that we're in um, swings open. And this gentleman comes in with a dog on a leash. And I look at him and I said, that can't possibly be Alan <laughs> Vaughn because I'm 3,000 miles away from home and I have just been speaking about him. Uh, he looks at me, I look at him, I motion him over, and I said, aren't you Alan Vaughn? And he says, yes, I am. I said, well, what are you doing here? I, and I explained the circumstances that I would have been here lecturing and I was just talking about him. And he said, you know, I was just walking my dog and I had never been in this place before and I felt like having a beer. And uh, Alan liked his uh, Budweiser. And uh, so he, uh, he sat down at the table and we had a good uh, little laugh about this. And I said, uh, by the way, Alan, what are you working on these days? Because, like I mentioned, he was uh, uh, moved to uh, San Francisco to become editor of this magazine, but he also wrote some paperback uh, books and all. And he said, geez, you know, I'm working on a book on uh, coincidence and synchronicity, and I guess this is going to be in it. So if you <laughs> can find that little paperback book by Alan Vaughn in this, uh, my copy here on the shelf that I can't get to because I built a loft bed around my bookcase, uh, is somewhere up there collecting uh, dust and turning very brittle, those little paperback pulp books, you know. But oh, if you yeah. find it, I think it's case number 17 in the book. Now, this has happened to me repeatedly. Uh, there was a fellow by the name of uh, Harry Levelson. He was the UFO editor or space editor of Omni magazine, which has been out of business for many, many uh, years. That was Bob Guccione's uh, attempt to come out with a science fiction paranormal type of publication. It didn't last very long uh, because it wasn't very good, to be honest with you. But, but Harry wrote the UFO uh, column. Now, Harry uh, wanted to get out of the rat race, so he moved from Manhattan to Miami, South Beach. Harry didn't like telephones. He never had one, or at least after he moved out of uh, New York, he never had one. Well, Whenever I went to South Beach, right on the ocean there, because I love the water, being a cancer, every time I went to South Beach, and Harry lived within about maybe three or four blocks of the beach, I would run into him. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not just talking about once. Almost every time I was down there, I would run into him. He was just kind of in the, you know, just roaming around. I guess he went to the post office, which was about maybe uh, in the area where all the hotels were. So, uh, Never lost track of Harry until he uh, until he uh, passed away, and so that and this has happened. Uh, I don't know, just, just maybe five or six times of uh, running into people uh, that I didn't know where they were, and I'd find them on the street or or find them in a train station. 
uh, one time Antonio Huneas, who's a top-notch UFO uh, researcher originally from Chile, uh, he was going to a um, uh, a conference. Oh, I forget uh, now. Maybe in Boston or Philadelphia. And uh, there were no, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. See, I said, well, you know, I, I'd be really anxious to know how 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 the conference turned out. Where uh, you know, where a lot of people there or anything like that. And he said, oh, you know, well, I'll call you in a couple of days uh, when I get back from uh, Philadelphia. Uh, anyway, I'm about to get on a train at the Penn Station. And here comes Antonio off the train. I say, hey, how was the show, by the way? You know, so I didn't have to. I didn't have to call him on the on the phone uh, because I was leaving town. But he was there, and he gave me the the detail five or six times. This just cannot be a coincidence. You just don't run into people three thousand miles away from home or tell somebody you want some information, and they appear majestically in front of you. Oh, so true. Mm. Well, that's perfect timing, Tim, because we're going to take our break at this point. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our good friend and fascinating guest, Tim Beckley. Stick with us. Summertime is here, and make sure your summer plans include a nine-inning vacation with the Paw Sox to see the next generation of Red Sox stars such as Garen Cicchini and Mookie Betts. Tickets are only $5 to $12, and the memories priceless. He steps on third for one, back to second for two to first. Triple play! The next Paw Sox homestand runs Friday, August 15th through Friday, August 22nd, and includes Cap Night on August 15th, Fan Fest on August 17th, and on-field autographs on the 22nd. Make your plans for a nine-inning vacation with the Paw Sox today. For tickets, visit pawsox.com. Okay, and before we get back to our uh, very interesting guest and conversation about synchronicities, I wanted to remind you of several of the charities Ben and I have adopted. There is USA Cares, usacares.org, does terrific things for veterans and their families, uh, financially speaking, if they're short of money for a particular uh, event or particularly a, a mortgage, things of that kind, out goes a check for them. And our friends to the North Canadian Veterans Advocacy as well, Mike Blaze in Ontario started this organization does great things from a legislative point of view, uh, trying to help Canadian veterans as well who have been uh, with us in Afghanistan since the beginning. Also, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. Uh, Tony Loray out there has done amazing things with young people uh, by helping them with indigenous wisdom. Now, this isn't crazy or a cult or anything like that. He just uses the, the good sense of some of the oldest peoples on earth to help at-risk youth, and he has had amazing results. So check that out, youthmentoring.org. So let's get back to our great guest, Tim Beckley, Paranormal Legend. Now, Tim, we get a couple of things from listeners uh, on a yeah. relatively consistent basis. One is the feeling, and they always, you know, as people usually do, they always think they're a little bit nuts, you know, and because that's something people might feel when they have strange experiences. But one is that they don't feel as though they really belong here. Sometimes they'll say they really don't feel as if they're actually belonging in the human species even now these are not nutballs i mean these are these are yeah, yeah. ordinary oh, people sure. and they okay. that sort of thing and uh, the second thing is that they feel as we've already touched on that something is sort of pulling strings or guiding them as you sort of mentioned yes and uh sometimes they'll attribute it to angels or whatever things in yeah. folklore might might come through to, to explain that mm. so those those two things seem to be themes yes it, from our point of view, and I'd like your comment on this, yeah. I think we often don't feel that we belong here, because you know our point of view. We tend to stick with this 
multiverse idea and you're living in many different places it's all kind of one big you and sometimes it's not entirely balanced as far as your perception and consciousness is concerned so maybe you feel like you belong somewhere else because that's where you really are and that's home uh, in other cases the uh, the whole the whole idea of uh, feeling controlled beyond yourself I think one possibility might be that your other, other aspects of yourself that are coming through your subconscious from parallel existences might be in a position to help you or, or, or to pull some strings or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that, that might be a factor in there. I mean, what say you about what's behind uh, that sort of feeling or experience? Uh, well, now, you know, a lot of people do ask me, they say, well, did you ever have, uh, you know, you must have had an ab- ab- abduction experience or you must be a star child or something like that. You always say, well... You, know, you haven't got one of those big heads, do you? <laughs> well, perhaps sometimes too big for my own good. But, <laughs> but not that's no- noticeable. Uh, part of it is in another dimension, I guess. But, you know, I always tell those people, well, maybe pick up a book by Brad Steiger because the star children, of course, that was his concept. That's more up his alley. Mm. Uh, in fact, do I feel that I belong? Yeah, I kind of, you know... And we all have our, our, our good and bad days, but I've always kind of uh, 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 liked it around here. I, I mean, you know, it, it, surely you can't uh, levitate like uh, I can't levitate like Ben can, or uh, read, read minds like you, Paul. But I do have my, you know, I do have my uh, uh, pluses here, and I, I think that I, I am, you know, I, and I just say this: I have no uh, proof, but yes, I, I think that I am here to. I wouldn't say teach others because I'm no, I'm no messiah or even a, a, a guru, but I think I'm here to exchange information and just like UFOs to make people think. I, I would hope that I could, you know, touch people in 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 a way where maybe they'll pick up a, a book. Because how many other people are publishing these days? I mean, especially in this. Uh, field it's kind of a a, a bygone uh, you know a, a thing to to publish it's all on the internet not that we're not on the internet i have my own um, tv uh, channel i guess you call it that on youtube it's mr ufo secret files i travel around the country and i take my camera with me and i've been giving out free dvds with my books but i decided well heck let's put them all in one spot so i've done that but the you know the paranormal since i was a kid and you mentioned the angels uh, i had an experience that i guess Something saved my life. Now, I can't prove it's a guardian angel. I'm not a very religious uh, person. So, uh, spirits, yes. Angels, yeah. You know. Um, I was with my parents, and we were in a car. My mother would would go. She had a, a breathing problem. She had asthma and, and all very bad. In those days, uh, you went to places where there were no allergies or, or whatever, right? So one of the places was Kentucky. Don't work anymore. But uh, we get into our car, and we would drive for maybe two and a half, three days uh, down to uh, near uh, Louisville. My my father was uh, from there. My mother was born in the East Coast here. Mm. But she liked to travel, and we had the family uh, there. And uh, so we take the uh, the Oldsmobile. And uh, 1949 Oldsmobile, oh, and they they <laughs> they would they would sit me up in the back, sit me up in the back of the car. I had some little toy. I was about three years old, you know. Uh, sit me up in the back of the car and had some blankets and toys and stuff back there. 
uh, to whittle away the uh, the time. And I always like to travel. I mean, to this day, I don't mind uh, getting on a bus. People say, oh, you can't afford to go on an airplane. No, man, I like to see the scenery, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'd get in the car and we'd tra- uh, travel down there. My, my father did most of the uh, driving and my mother probably bickered with him most of the way down there. <laughs> you know, because I guess she didn't like his driving or thought he was a good driver or something like that. But once you get out of the area, especially in those days, I mean, traffic wasn't like it is uh, uh, today. So I guess on the the third night, uh, we would have been getting pretty close, uh, uh, you know, to, to Kentucky or our destination. And as I understand it, we were up in the uh, kind of in the mountains or up in the winding uh, roads. And it was getting a little bit uh, foggy uh, out. And my father uh, wanted to continue driving and uh, get the heck out of the car, I guess, and uh, just call it uh, quits, you know. And maybe there was only another hour and a half or two hours to go, but uh, the fog was moving in and the sun was down. And my mother insist, insisted that he stop on the spot. And if my mother said something, he did it. And, and so he stopped the car, and uh, I guess the, uh, I was sleeping in the back, and they were in the front. And when the sun rose and the fog uh, cut through the sun, cut through the fog, we were on the edge of a cliff. And as I understand it, if we had moved another foot or two, I would not be here today uh, speaking with uh, Paul in Ben. I would be levitating with wings or something like that. So uh, (laughs) there's, there's, there's an incident, I mean, you know, at a very tender age of three, where something did seem to have some impact. Maybe I did come from somewhere else and I wandered in. I have no recollection of that, and uh, that doesn't particularly interest me at all. But I, I do think we do have some sort of uh, guidance, uh, uh, you know, on and off throughout our, our lives, and uh, that we all have a direction, just like you fellows uh, would be uh, the psychic uh, thing and, and being on the radio. You, you've done how many shows, did, did I hear you say? Uh, this is, I believe, the 548th, n- not counting uh, but- special shows. Oh my goodness! That that doesn't include all the uh, the good uh, programs on Bentwaters. <laughs> uh, no, that was uh, sixteen hours separately. So if anybody has yeah, the time, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Listen I, I've them. listened to those shows numerous of times. I must say, but um, yeah, there's there's some you know there's something there's a guiding hand, and just like Charles Ford said that you know we're but uh, uh, you know puppets on a string, and there's some marionette uh, up there maybe uh, dancing us uh, around from uh, you know time to time. Well, there you uh, go. Also, also, my grandfather on my father's side of the family saw a headless horseman. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I must say I I've never seen any... one of those, Ben. <laughs> no, I, I don't have I don't have any great details about it, but uh, my father came from a rural uh, area, and uh, his, his his daddy that we uh, they were born and uh, raised and lived all their lives in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Which is the home of Colonel, or was the home of Colonel Sanders? You know, yeah, we have, we have a relative near there. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, chicken, the chicken magnet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if a chicken is a magnet, but uh, <laughs> depends how much uh, iron they've ingested. Right? Yeah. And, anyway, as I understand it, Grandpappy uh, was out doing some uh, uh, late evening uh, chores, and he was behind the um, uh, barn, and here comes a, 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 a headless uh, horseman. I mean, what else can you say? You know, people say, well, uh, you know, th- there are a lot, I've, I've looked it up, uh, and I'm no authority on it, but there seems to be a lot of cases of headless horsemen. Now, there were, uh, uh, it was a, I believe Kentucky was a neutral uh, state uh, during the Civil War, but there were some skirmishes around there, so we sure. assume that uh, 
either a Union uh, uh, or a Confederate the soldier, unfortunately, was in the wrong place at the wrong uh, time, and the cannonball uh, caught him in a very uh, uh, bad uh, spot, and that's what it was. Well, that'll do it. I don't know. I mean, that's that's the story. I, and my um, grandfather and father were uh, very religious. They were uh, Baptists, and they didn't like to talk about it because they thought a lot of this was the work of the devil. Exactly, yeah. And, and uh, which, which brings us up to UFOs Wicked This Way Come. Now, that's the the book that I'm giving away, or at least the Kindle uh, edition. It um, It's a um, uh, an essay, a, a dossier, a, a book. It's like 300 pages on sort of the dark side of things that go on in the ufology. You know, you hear about... Uh, Oh, cases of uh, of people having uh, friendly contact with the the uh, space brothers and uh, uh, being uh, healed on board UFOs and some of these very nice fuzzy cozy uh, thing, but not all uh, you know UFO uh, beings or pilots or crew members or interdimensional uh, swordsmen are necessarily uh, ETs. In fact, some of them are tricksters and maniacal and tell you things that aren't necessarily true. So I put that down in a book. I have a whole series. It's the uh, the UFO fear factor. Not that I'm opposed to the friendly uh, you know guys from outer space. Don't get me wrong. I, I know friends of mine channel Ashtar and the uh, UFO Command, and, and we have books on that as well. But uh, in order to promote a, a, a book, uh, every uh, month or so we offer a Kindle edition uh, of one of our up-and-coming titles. So today until Friday, if you go to Amazon and uh, you go type in UFOs dash wicked this way come and just put Tim Beckley after it because then you'll find it real quick and uh, you get the Kindle edition. You can click on it for free. And uh, so far, before I came on the air, I checked we had already given away 225 books. Today, I guess it started like at you know eight a.m. this morning, and I'm hoping that we can give away a thousand uh, books, Kindle editions of the books, and Kindle books can be uh, read on any uh, computer. I understand it, so there you go. And it's a it's a very inter- uh, interesting and entertaining uh, book. We pull no punches, and there are other researchers besides me uh, in there. There's Sean Castile and uh, Peter Robbins who talks about some of the premature deaths of UFO uh, researchers who seem to have uh, come under the spell of maybe the men in black that I've written about. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's there. Just type it in, get your Kindle edition, or pay for the printed version if you'd like. And and there you go. Well, you know, I know what I'll be doing after the show. Well, reading, well, that's good. That's good. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's it. You know, as one as a writer, one has to read. And you'd be amazed the writers that don't seem to know that. But in any case, you know, I'm kind of with you, Tim, on, on the uh, sort of not trusting these little gray guys, you know, so to speak, if that's what, indeed what they are. You know, yes. Things are never uh-huh. what they appear to be in the paranormal. Now, now you've touched on the See, next you're question. The, you're one of, the few, you're the, one of the few that realize that. Now, you know, I say what goes on inside a haunted house and uh, uh, inside the seance room is very similar to what goes on at a UFO landing site. Precisely. Well, well you have the levitation. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> you have the, you have the you have the levitation. People are levitated uh, into uh, UFOs uh, all the time and then thrown back on the ground. You've got uh, cases of uh, people uh, going through walls. You have the woman that, uh, down here in Lower Manhattan that went through her wall yeah, and but ended up inside of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, inside the uh, the spaceship. Well. How about um, uh, 
the, the Hume, the Douglas Hume, floated outside the window and came in the other uh, window. Mm. You've got all kinds of apparition, uh, apparitions uh, in a, a, a seance room and in a haunted house. You've got the same thing in a UFO. Uh, it, it's 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 all pretty much the same ball of wax. Now I know Stanton Friedman and these other guys uh, that uh, you know believe that this is all extraterrestrial. Uh, just, uh, say that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do because I see the subject from an, uh, a complete point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, being interested in the. In, in fact, you know, I noticed last night I was listening to a podcast with uh, Cameron uh, Grant. He's the Canadian who's yes. written about all the, uh, the president. I don't know if he's been on the show, but. No, we don't know he, him, unfortunately. We will. Oh, you've got to get him on the show now. He started on last night, and I always thought of him as a nuts and bolts type of guy. Well, he went on and said that how he had seen in, in government documents, because he goes to all the presidential libraries and, and studies all this stuff, he saw in, in a lot of the early uh, uh, classified reports that are now released where the government was talking about it's all ESP, it's all mental telepathy. Uh, and that's why they can't explain this to the public, because the public doesn't understand mind-to-mind uh, communication, and it just, they would think that they were demons. I, I guess a lot of people would think that. Well, sure. to me, I don't think of demons in the sense of, uh, you know, Satan uh, sitting on a, a throne and the, uh, you know, uh, hurling a pitchfork uh, at you or something. <laughs> I, I think of demons more in the sense of, uh, you know, Aleister Crowley's uh, uh, spirit, uh, spirits of falling angels and things like that. Well, fallen angels were just interdimensional beings of some sort, you know, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, I think certainly, uh, now, now it's funny, you mentioned uh, what you've mentioned recent, uh, during <clears throat> the past five or ten minutes, because we're speaking at two UFO conferences, and we're, we're going to talk about precisely that, and yeah. I don't know if a lot of these people will have heard that before, and we have the greatest respect for Stan Friedman, he's a dear friend, and yeah. matter of fact, oh, he's uh, writing absolutely. a preface for our next book, but, yes. but he's, uh, you know, he's pretty much a nuts and bolts guy, and we respect yes. that, maybe he's right. But yeah, I think yeah. other points of view uh, can be introduced, and uh, we're yeah. kind of planning well, to do that. Here, here's a story I heard the other night for the first time. I, I have a, a, a podcast uh, uh, that I do. Uh, I'm, I'm a co-host um, uh, every uh, 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 once a month, second Sunday of uh, uh, once a month. And uh, I, picked, I picked the guest. So I picked this fellow. His name is uh, uh, Harry uh, Drew. And he uh, lives in the town of Kingman, uh, Arizona. Now, back in 1953, there were a series of UFO crash landings. Uh, unlike Roswell, he said it didn't dig itself in the ground, it didn't fall, but it, it landed there. And now, uh, the incident, uh, the incident or incident is known about, it's been written, but it's been poo-pooed, and uh, people um, think in general that it's a hoax. But this fellow is not a... Uh, uh, he, he's not a um, uh, ufologist. He's actually a local historian. So he found at least 15 people in the town of Kingman who witnessed this landed craft. The military apparently came in and uh, put it on a flatbed truck and then floated it across the, uh, the, the river in Colorado and eventually it ended up in uh, uh, Area 51. Okay, so there you figure there's a physical... Uh, a craft, nuts and bolts, must have come from Saturn or, uh, you know, across the uh, universe or something. Uh, but no, then he, uh, then Harry goes a step uh, uh, further. By the way, the show is called The Outer Edge. You can, uh, it's not archived yet, but it, it's a good, good oh, show. Okay. And you, you ought to have them on. But 
anyway, he tells a story about not only the crashed or landed UFO, but there were alien survivors. Okay, so the sheriff took two, uh, two of the aliens disappeared, right? Now, I don't know. I, they vanished, I guess. No, in fact, they got into something that looked like an ambulance, but it wasn't an ambulance. And they took off. They never saw them again. Um, anyway, the sheriff got a hold of two of them, and I guess he was keeping them in, let's laugh at this, protective custody, right? So he, he takes them, and he's got an office uh, underground, uh, you know, a cell, I don't know, where, you know, a lockup. Uh, underground, so he takes the aliens in protective custody, and he puts them in this little room, locks the door carefully, very tightly, and um, comes back a little while later. I don't guess they were waiting for the cup of coffee, and uh, if they were waiting to make a phone call, I don't know how much long distance would have been in those days wherever they came from. But <laughs> so anyway, he comes back, he un- open, he opens the door, they're gone. They must have walked through that wall. Either that or they were made him think that they were locked in that room and they really uh, weren't. Well, that sheriff and his deputy looked all over the place. And it was a small room. There was only a couple of chairs and, and a table in it. And they looked under the table. The aliens weren't there. And uh, they either cloaked themselves and made themselves invisible and walked out around them. Or they were never there to begin with. Doesn't mean the guy was lying. They they had to put the uh, the uh, alien eye on him, not the evil eye, but the alien eye on him, I guess, and made him believe that uh, they were in that room and they weren't. So they disappeared and were never seen again. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm thinking also of Nigel Kerner from the UK, who was a UFO yes. researcher, and believes uh, more or less along the same lines that uh, the greys, particularly, are perhaps biomechanical and not necessarily entirely uh, biological oh, yes. units, and uh, that they are up to no good. Well, the thing uh, is, I, I always find it weird that when people are talking about their experiences, like being abducted, and they start like saying, oh, well, they're here to help us and stuff, and they're just nice, and they just want to get us up to our higher selves or whatever. Yeah. It's like, why... I don't understand how we can derive human morals... More social mores and like yeah. human traits of just being nice to completely alien creatures. That's just one yeah. thing that just boggles my yeah, mind. That bothers me too. Like, well, I don't. You know, you're 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 right. Why would anybody else's behavior be necessarily the same behavior that we would have? I yeah, that it just that doesn't make too much sense to me. And so you know, a lot of our fellow ufologists are uh, awaiting for disclosure. Well, yeah. what is the government going to disclose? That there are alien bodies? Well, I'm not sure that there are alien bodies. And even if there is, there may be three or four people in the entire military that even know about this. Because, lo and behold, uh, even Clinton, who actually was a, a, a fairly a strong believer in the UFOs, or interested in uh, even, he, he sent... Um, uh, one of his representatives to find out two things: uh, did a UFO crash in uh, Roswell, and who was behind the JFK assassination? And he found out nothing. Uh, the president <laughs> is not uh, is not bought. He's brought into the briefing room, and he's told whatever he should be told. That's right. He, he does. He doesn't have any. Now, Ronald Reagan might have been the uh, exception. He seemed to have had a uh, an interest in the subject. His wife was into astrology, and he had had a couple of UFO uh, sightings. Uh, so maybe he knew a little bit about it, but uh, we assume that nobody really has the... Very few people have the answer, and 
the answer is so unorthodox that how does Obama or anybody go on TV at 6 o'clock and say, fellas, this is the way it is, because people are not going to stand for that. They're not going to understand it. A hedge fund manager is not going to know about walking through a wall. It just isn't part of their uh, their concept. And, and people are taught, of course, in the universities, uh, far and wide, that the stu- uh, things like walking through walls and, and Ben's levitation just does not happen. Well, and, there you and, go. And so, and, uh, and, and so nobody is going to go on TV and announce this uh, to the world. The only time that this will happen is when they, whoever they are, decide it's time to give up the pardon the expression the ghost and, <laughs> and and come and come clean but again since they are not operating on uh, the uh, uh, standards uh, that we go by perhaps they can't you know maybe they can only appear in our uh, in our uh, world for you know uh, 20 minutes at a time or something and then they fuzz out you know just like on the outer limits or something yeah, perhaps like Tim, that, uh, but yeah. before we burn up the hour which we, we're really doing yeah. quickly uh, tell people once again about your websites your books uh, what's oh, going on with you and no. where people can find out more okay um, if you want some straightforward um, interviews uh, DVDs of my uh, uh, travels around the country interviewing some very fascinating people uh, my YouTube channel is Mr. UFO's Secret Files. Now, let me steer you to uh, a couple of the good uh, videos on there. Uh, one is an interview that I did in Sedona, Arizona with uh, Tom Dongo. Now, Tom Dongo has a scrapbook full of unbelievable UFO photos and orbs. These are not just lights in the sky. There's a place in Sedona called the Bradshaw Ranch which was bought uh, a number of years ago by the military, so it's private property, but uh, he was a friend of the, uh, the previous owner, and uh, they set up camp there. They have these really, really great photographs, and the details about all the mysterious things that go around uh, in, uh, uh, happened in Sedona. And also uh, Paul Davis, who was the uh, producer of the Roswell Showtime movie, who has a very interesting uh, uh, video out now, about the after uh, life uh, project it's about his um, continuing uh, friendship with the uh, Forey Ackerman who was a very famous uh, publisher of famous monsters magazine and who was an atheist but apparently Forey has co- returned to contact uh, Paul and, and other friends as well uh, website conspiracyjournal.com and the free book go to Amazon UFOs, wicked, this way, come. Excellent. Okay, Tim, I'm afraid we are out of time. It is always no, a great no, pleasure. No, no, it's, it's going to be another five years. I know it. <laughs> it will not be another five years. As a matter of okay. fact, as soon as we're, uh, I have a chance tonight, I'm going to contact you about booking you for another show. Because we've got to continue this. Uh, okay, stuff. all right. Well, Ben, you come down to Earth and... Uh, <laughs> Paul, you, ju- you just watch out for those uh, cobwebs inside those haunted houses. And, you know, maybe I'll run into you at a, uh, a UFO uh, a show or something. You know, I thought, geez, I haven't been in a, a studio, an actual radio studio. Next time I'm going to come in through your front door. Oh, that would be <laughs> wonderful. And we'll, and we'll take you out to eat afterwards. 
All right. All okay. right. I'm coming tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're not on the air tomorrow, but what the hey. Okay. All right. Tim, all right. it's always great. Be in touch. Oh, you, you guys are wonderful. And say hello to the audience and everybody in Woonsocket. We will. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right, folks. The great Tim Beckley. Okay, so let's uh, get through a lot of announcements here. It is finally around the corner. The Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter, New Hampshire, is one week from this Saturday on August 30th, beginning at 8 a.m. And one little detail we forgot to mention, this is, one of the f- this is a free event. You don't have to buy any tickets. It's one of the few free events of this quality available anywhere. Uh, ben and I will present a program on strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts. Other speakers will include the great Stanton Friedman, Richard Dolan, Martin Willis, Bob Schroeder, and others. Proceeds from the concessions, etc., will be given to, by the Exeter Kiwanis Club to local children's charities. So there's great reason, every reason to go up. Uh, for details, visit ExeterUFOFestival.org. That is a different site than we've been giving. It's a new site, ExeterUFOFestival.org. So we hope we'll see you up there on August 30th. Great cause, great speakers, and a great day. Then on Saturday, September 20th, we will uh, be at the True Paranormal Event 2014, a celebration of advanced understanding in the paranormal. Tickets are only $15, and that includes food. My gosh, you can't go wrong with that. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, times are 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Brookline Event Center, Brookline, New Hampshire. Ben and I will present a program, as well as our good friend Shane Searway of uh, TrueGhost.com, whom you've heard on the show. And he's organizing the event. Also speaking will be Bill Hall, author of the new book, The World's Most Haunted House, about the Bridgeport, Connecticut poltergeist case of 1974, where I was involved with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Visit trueparanormalevent.com, or you can order the tickets right from our site, behindtheparanormal.com now. Okay. And Bill Hall will be our guest next week. Ooh, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, so a lot of coincidences and synchronicities going on here. Bill. Indeed. Is it going to be in studio? Uh, I don't think so. I don't okay. know. Okay, that's, under, that's understandable. It's, yeah, well, it's it was great. way the heck out in Connecticut someplace. Right. Deepest, and darkest Connecticut. Yes. So after that, there will be two events for which we will raffle off tickets on the air. Uh, one of them is the Experiencer Speak Conference at the Clarion Hotel and Conference Center in Portland, Maine, on September 6th and 7th. Uh, this is a UFO-focused, uh, UFO conference, I should say, focused on abductees, experiencers, and contactees, and anybody can attend, of course. And it will be very interesting, and we will draw the winner for four free tickets on our next uh, show, which is next week, so that's the August 25th show. That's at 6.45 p.m. Eastern, 3.45 p.m. Pacific time. Find out more about the event at experiencerspeak.yolasite.com. That's Y-O-L-A-site.com. Okay, and the other event we're having a drawing for is the second New England UFO conference on October 17th and 18th at the City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Ben and I, along with many prominent UFO experts you've heard on the show, including Mark D'Antonio, who is becoming a good friend and our partner in paranormal crime in a way, uh, will be speakers. On September 22nd, we'll raffle off two family packs of tickets on the show as we did last year. And the site for that is neufoconference.vpweb.com. You can also find links at behindtheparanormal.com. And to enter these contests, like my dad just said, you can find links at behindtheparanormal.com. You can send an email to paul at behindtheparanormal.com or drop us a snail mail at behindtheparanormal behind care of WON, 1240 AM, uh, 985 Park Avenue, Winsocket, Rhode Island, 02895. Please include your name, address, and phone number. And there are links at BehindTheParanormal.com as well. Looks like we are just about out of time, so why don't you give the quote really quick, Dad? 
It's a very long quote. Oh, well, uh, then uh, never We'll save mind. it for next week. <laughs> All right. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.